Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket comes. Hello, and welcome everybody to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwenipu. This episode 30, or yes, 30. Wow, we've made 30 episodes of this now. Uh, I am joined by first-time guest of the pod, of all of the pods. His name is Xavier Justin, XJ of Nick's Film School. XJ, how you doing? What's up, Shwen? I'm doing great, man. Uh, Very happy to see all the Knicks accolades, my guys QG and IQ going off, doing well. So all, all's good for me. Yeah, good, good to hear. Uh, we will discuss that and much more before we get started. I do have to make a few announcements. Uh, the first being that the Strickland has an Instagram, which you can follow on Instagram at thestrick.land. So please give us a follow. Uh, we are producing content on there. And uh, obviously would love to have as many followers as possible. We also have a YouTube where you may or may not be watching this podcast. If you are, hit like and then subscribe to the channel if you're not already subscribed. Uh, it would be a massive help for us We're trying to get to a thousand. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of content that goes on there as well. We have uh, Dallas Amico producing analysis, X's and O's analysis. Prez occasionally will drop a banger. Uh, and then you have Sam and Tyrese who do the rundown after each game. Uh, so yes, please give us a follow on YouTube. We also have a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are multiple tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the mailbag that comes out every other week, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to this pod right here, Strick and Roll, that I host, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. You also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. This comes with a variety of additional benefits like listening in on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. So uh, without further ado, let's get started. Um, the Knicks are, I, I think like they've been on this really insane They've been a very streaky team all year, but they've especially been very streaky since they made the rotation changes. So I think this gets lost in it. And I look, I, I we're all guilty of it. That that Dallas game was like the dumbest, stupidest game I've ever watched. I never want to talk about it again, even though I'm talking about it right now. And um, I want to say that uh, look, since they've made the rotation changes. And I know there was a lot of controversy of like, oh my god, how are they not playing Reddish over Deuce McBride? And I know Deuce is shot like shit, but at the end of the day, since they've made the rotation changes that I think were good rotation changes, they're 10-5. and five. And that's without Obi even playing for most of that stretch. Um, that's with Brunson missing a bunch of time. That's with RJ miss- missing a bunch of time now. And it's it's 
also a period where they kind of had, I mean, they, they haven't had, I, I remember looking back at this in December, but they basically play every other day until the all-star break. Like they don't have multiple days off. They have a few back-to-backs. Like they, their schedule is brutal. I think they've done really well. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not a huge Tibbs supporter, but like, you know, I'm not a huge rant. Like I've, I've been really critical of Randall too, but like, I think what you have to say is that regardless of how you feel about the specifics of each player and individual involved in this, I think it's fair to say that collectively the decisions they have made, and I do think that the rotation changes that were made were not just a Tibbs decision. I think they were an organizational decision. Um, I think you have to say they're getting a lot out of each person. And I think it is worth mentioning because I have to hold my hands up and say I was wrong too, is like, the front office took a lot of heat for a variety of decisions they made in the offseason. Um, I think the criticism was justified for various things, right? Whether or not you trade for Donovan Mitchell, keeping Tibbs, keeping Randall, etc. Um, doing what they did to clear the space to sign Jalen Brunson. Like, these are all big-time decisions and potentially controversial ones and potentially ones that could have really backfired on them. Um, I think they deserve credit for how things have played out so far. And, you know, if you, like, I know Stefan Bondi, who is really just a very, very great, um, you know, basketball mind. Uh, he had a great tweet last night because Donovan Mitchell scored 71 points. And when Donovan Mitchell plays well, Knicks fans have to be miserable about everything, apparently. Um, but he had some, he, he, he tweeted out basically, like, oh, well, it's going to be hard for the Knicks trade to find somebody worth trading everything for, uh, like Donovan Mitchell was. And, I just think, like, if you zoom out, again, regardless how you feel about Tibbs, Randall, the Brunson, all these things, if you just zoom out, the Knicks are 20 and 18. They are playing one of the youngest rotations in the NBA, and they are developing their own young talent and winning basketball games. And, like, at the end, I don't know. Like, for me, as a fan, I've talked about this many times. Like, all I've ever wanted the Knicks to do, and I know this sounds, this probably like people like you're, like have higher standards bro but like all i wanted the knicks to do is be competent and like play their young guys and develop them and just do that for a few years and see what happens because like like i will say this like now that the knicks are actually playing their young guys a lot and not just playing them but like putting them in prominent roles um if if the if there is a star that now comes available on the market i would feel better about making a major risk in terms of loading up picks and whatever to send out for that star than I did, than I felt about it last summer. Um, so I know I just said a lot of things there, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on kind of like the broad thought I laid out. Yeah. I mean, I think that you and I really agree on a lot, uh, kind of hearing you talk and hearing, you know, seeing stuff on Twitter. I think we tend to agree a lot. I think the last point that you made was really critical, right? I think I totally agree that I would feel way more comfortable kind of going all in on sending picks out for a star at this point than I would have at the beginning of the season or before the the season started. Um, I was one of those guys that was cool with not dealing for Mitchell, um, given the the asking price. I do think Bondi makes a great point, which is something I've heard him say before. It's like, if you didn't do this for Mitchell, you kind of got to do it for a better player. And who's that better player going to be? It's going to be tough to find somebody who comes available that's better than Donovan. Um, especially, obviously, offensively. 
So it's tough. You know, people talked about Levine a lot, and it's just like, that's a non-starter. For, firstly, you don't want Levine. Secondly, what are you going to trade for him? Like, it, it, it doesn't make sense. And, and I think that the, the point of people talking about Levine is like, there's nobody out there that you're bringing in anytime soon. Um, I don't know. You know, a guy I would love is Booker. Is the Sun situation going to fall apart at some point? You know, yeah, who knows? I think, but, I think the Booker thing is yeah. like, maybe after next season because yeah. Paul Paul so Paul has that like weird contract where the last two years or whatever it is are non-guaranteed so yeah. I think there's it's non-guaranteed after so the 2024-25 season that that season of his contract is non-guaranteed so they can basically get off his money then but like I mean look we watched that game yesterday against the Suns I've never been a huge Chris Paul guy but like look he's obviously been like a great player for a long time watching that was like, like this guy. Look, I, I love Emmanuel quickly more than anybody. Yeah, and I think he's a, a great defensive player that doesn't get the kudos he deserves for his play yes, on that sir. end. But like, he, I'm sorry. Like, even forget prime Chris Paul. Chris Paul two years ago, there's like maybe three or four guys in the entire league that you're talking about could just lock him up for an entire game. And yesterday, quickly did that, and I didn't think quickly was like. Like, he, look, his effort level and compete level is always high, but it wasn't like, I don't know. It, 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 he never. His biggest was, effort, yeah. Yeah. He was never challenged by Paul. It was like, it was just so yeah. easy for him. And it, I mean, it was genuinely stunning to watch this team. And then also, like, I I don't know. I like, I think fairly to some extent, the front office has been criticized for, like, being not, not making wholesale roster changes at certain points in time. I do think that, like, they've done a pretty decent job overall, but, like, there's some criticism warranted for that. Fine. You look at the Suns team. They won. They were two wins away from a championship in 2021, and they've done nothing with that roster since then. It's literally the same roster. Like, the only move they made is basically trading a first-round pick for Landry Shamit and signing, like, Jock Landale and Damian Lee. Like the, the team is the same. It's it's one of the most bizarre things I've I, I think I can remember. And if I was a Suns fan, I'd be furious. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just the whole no, call I, thing and ever watching them yesterday was crazy to me. No, I totally agree. It was like a shell of Chris Paul. And like you said, I mean I felt the same way, kind of seeing quickly just completely lock him up, chase him around screens. Like it, you, there was a time when if you're behind Paul after a screen, you're done. You know, he's going to draw a foul on you. He's going to score on you. Like, there's nothing you can do. He's going to throw a lob. Quickly was able to, like, chase him around screens, play to the side of him, you know, get deflections, really affect his shot, affect his passing lanes. And it was, like, easy. You know, like, obviously, I think IQ is an elite guard defender in the NBA. I think, the you know, the statistics support that. But not to the extent that he can just dominate Chris Paul easily like that. So I totally agree. That's why I'm looking at the Sun situation. I don't think that situation is tenable. Um, I think Mikhail Bridges is, is slightly overrated. Um, also, defensively, I don't think he's this elite perimeter lockdown defender that a lot of people think he is. Um, obviously, Crowder is going out. Aiton doesn't want to be there. You know, Chris Paul's getting old, as we talked about. That's the one situation that I look at, and I can see something happening for Booker. But otherwise, I look around the NBA and I'm like, I don't see what the star trade is going to be in the next year, maybe two. Um, so I, I love developing the youth. And that's what I've wanted for the whole time. I give the organization a lot of credit, you know, including Tibbs this season for making some of the 
the the moves that I think a few of us, a lot of us, have been looking for. Um, you know, relegating Fournier to the bench uh, mostly. Um, you know, Derek Rose kind of just <laughs> being towards the end. I <laughs> I don't know what to say about the Rose at this point, but you know, I I, I like I love Miles McBride minutes. I don't care if he shoots, you know, whatever twenty five percent until he gets his three point three pointer back that we know he has that we've seen evidence of in the G League. Like I'm cool, I'll roll with it. You know, it, it's not super important to me that they capitalize on every minute. You know, I want to see the development. And the way I think about it is like I look at them as like an 11 and four team in the last 15. I do not count the Dallas loss. That, that is like <laughs> the flukiest thing that's ever happened. I mean, if I'm just going to count that as a win in terms of like my personal record book. Um, so yeah, I think that I think that the rotation changes have been excellent. I think that they've played out really well. I think that these guys are developing almost like the best you could have hoped for in terms of guys like Quentin Grimes and Emmanuel quickly. Um, I can't wait till Toppin's back. Randall's playing out of his mind offensively. Do I think it's sustainable? It's tough. I've been diving over his stats to really get a sense of like, can he maintain this level? And it, it seems possible. So I, it's like 50, 50 to me. Um, but yeah, I, I really like the direction. I like how they're like infusing the youth with, um, you know, mainstay guys like Brunson and Randall. And, you know, I, I think another guy that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, Mitchell Robinson, has been playing exceptional. He might be the MVP of the team at this point, like in the minutes that he plays. Um, his defense been, has been unbelievable. And his impact on, you know, the offensive end is completely undersold in terms of his offensive rebounding ability. Like, it's magical to watch him get offensive rebounds. So, yeah, I, I really don't have many complaints for the for the media, uh, media status of the team. Yeah, I mean, I think... Um... Look, the, the Mitch piece, I was, I've been like really up and down on Mitch, kind of mirroring like Mitch's up and downness in his <laughs> career. But like, like last year was really disappointing for me. Look, I understand he had the injury and rehab. I, I would guarantee, and Randall mentioned something yesterday after the game where he talked about like how he felt like Mitch is being really more, much more serious this year. And like he had come worked out with him in Dallas and all this kind of stuff. I would bet that if you gave Mitchell Robinson truth serum, he would tell you that he did not rehab the best he could have coming into last season. Um, he was notably overweight. He was fat. Like he, he actually made a joke about it. And then they pulled that clip from their, uh, from their channel at the start of last season. It was like a funny thing, but um, the point is like, and then, you know, it, he plays himself into shape, which took about like two months. And if you go back and look at last year, like January, mid January ish, is when he really started to like put it together. But even then, like he was, he was very streaky. He was very, very up and down. And it wasn't just like, Oh, well he's streaky in terms of his offensive rebounding. It was like, no, like there were games where he was not locked in defensively, even once he was back in shape. And then you compare that to what, and I, I thought at the start of the season, he wasn't locked in necessarily either. But, like, you look over probably the last, I want to say, 30 games or so, which is most of the season, obviously, he's been great. I mean, he's been as serious, locked in, whatever you want to call it, as he has been his entire career. This is the best stretch. It's not a stretch anymore. This is like, like if this is the new level of Mitch, then not only did the Knicks make the right decision in keeping him, but that's a descending contract that he's locked into for the next three years after this one. It's probably one of the best value contracts in the league. Um, and, and again, like I, I was, I, I, you can find it. I have tweets after they signed that, that I was like, I wish it would have been three years instead of four. I 
said I said last year that I would have oh, I would have rather overpaid to keep the contract short term than give him a fourth year. Um, and I'm glad to say that I was wrong apparently because he's playing fucking great. Um, and I, I want to you know you mentioned like what star trades are there for the next you know we don't know. Well, the one thing that is always true in the NBA is we never know. We never know. Guys come available all the time that you never know. And I think uh, I have pretty decent insight that like the Knicks and most teams around the NBA did not. Danny Ainge jumped the gun. Like Mitchell was not supposed to be traded last summer. He was supposed to be traded this upcoming summer. Uh, and that obviously changes the calculus for a number of teams around the league. Obviously, Cleveland made the decision that it was their time to go all in. I think that was the right decision for them. Um, obviously it looks like they hit a fucking home run. And to be fair, like it looks like Utah did really fucking well in that trade too. So, um, you know, that, that's one thing to consider, but like, you know, who was the next guy? I don't know. Uh, Booker, I think you're right. I mean, one as a fit, and this is, and this is, this is the part that I think is really critical when you're talking about star trades. The reason why I'm still like very okay, even with the, you know, uh, the benefit of hindsight is that if you made like I still don't love the fit of Mitchell and Brunson as your long-term backcourt pairing. I don't like having him Brunson and Randall, not because they're not all good players of varying degrees, but I think that's like when you have three your three best guys, you want them to be able to complement each other on both ends of the floor. And I don't think those three complement each other defensively. Um, is the mid three, as we call it, uh, is that the most complementary fit possible? No, I don't necessarily think so. But you also aren't risking a lot to assemble this, right? Like they haven't traded out picks to put this together. All they've done is really given these guys $100 million contracts, which at the end of the day, if you look at the NBA, you know, $100 million is a lot of money, but it's also not big time money in the NBA. Um, so like they, they've, They've put this thing together, uh, but it's really important that when you trade for a star, that star be the right star. And the reason I think Booker makes sense is like if you just look at this team, team's roster construction, it, it is still crying out for a star wing, especially a star wing scorer. And like you know, one of the things I like about Brunson, and I think what makes him valuable, I know he's had some end game foibles, but like what I think makes him valuable as a half court gotta have it bucket getter is he's a true three level scorer and he's one he's now really taking pull up threes but he's his mid-range game is so good and and that's really the thing that i think makes him viable as a playoff scorer and that's the best thing about devin booker's game that devin booker is one of the premier mid-range pull-up jump shooters in the nba and it's why i think he's been very good in the playoffs through his career, or I mean, he's only made two playoffs, but like in those two playoffs, he's performed very well. Um, so like he is, you know, when you talk about ideal, is he a top 15 guy? Is he top 10? I don't know where, where you want to rank him. I think he's a true star. I will say that. And like, I think just as a fit, he is perfect. Not, but then you like, look at other guys that might shake free, right? Is as like, SGA before we got Brunson, no doubt about it, would have loved him. I don't know if I like the fit between him and Brunson. And, okay, are you going to replace Brunson with SGA? Let's assume that uh, Leon Rose isn't uh, Jalen Brunson's godfather. Like, 
even if you were willing to do that, how much better is that making you? How much further is that pushing your ceiling? I don't know. Uh, I do think it makes you better because I do think SGA is a better player. But like, how much so? I, I don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know the answer to that. Uh, Trey Young, please fuck no. Like, absolutely don't want anything to do with that guy. Total loser. And I think if you want to, like, I, I was actually talking about this with somebody the other day. But like in a vacuum, if you told me that Trey Young is a better basketball player than Jalen Brunson, I agree. If you're talking about five-on-five five NBA basketball, how to build a contending roster, who is easier to build a contending roster with around, however you want to phrase it, I think it's I think it's Brunson, like without question, because he has off-ball utility, and he's yes, he's not a good defender, but he's a fucking try-hard defender for sure. He competes. Uh, Trey Young doesn't compete. I mean, I don't know if you watched the end of their game yesterday, but like the amount of idiotic plays this guy makes at the end of games is so frustrating. I have. It's not surprising to me that there, there's now all these leaks from Atlanta, which, look, there's not a lot of, I heard Ryan Russillo say this, and I think it's a good point. There's not a lot of anonymous uh, quotes from teammates supporting Trey Young uh, when any of these reports come out. So, like, I don't know. Is he a guy you really want to risk it all for? I don't think so. Cat, please no. Like, again, not an, I, I just, I'm out on centers who can't play defense. That doesn't really make sense to me. But like the point is like it's it's gotta be the right guy. It has to be the right guy. It's only worth it if it's the right guy. And like that's why I didn't care. Like when people like they should they gotta get DeJounte Murray. And I'm like like DeJounte Murray's nice. He's a good player. But like he, he was a people are like he's an all-star. Okay. If can we be real like he was a replacement all-star. He got the D all-star. Like let's calm down. Um he's a good player. But like was he worth what the Hawks gave up to get him? I don't think so. And it doesn't look like it right now. And, and like, like the Mitchell one is a little bit more nebulous. So I, I won't kill people that like, if you thought they should have matched the price and you still feel that way, I think that's a reasonable stance to have. But I also think it's reasonable to look at the Knicks situation and be like, it wasn't and still isn't the right move because he's not the right guy to go for. Um, and like, you know, is it is it different if they knew before they did the Brunson stuff that Mitchell was going to be available? I think it might be different. I think they might have been like, fuck it, let's go get Mitchell and Brunson can resign in Dallas. Like, I don't know. But I, I think there's just so many moving parts. But you're right. Like the the star trade part of it is it's it's gonna happen at some point. They're going to do it at some point. It's gotta be the right guy. And like to your point about, you know, we'll talk about quickly, but like Grimes, I mean Grimes has shown a lot. He's flashed a lot. I'm curious to see what this guy can do in opportunities where he gets more usage. We saw a mixed bag, right? He was great against Dallas. He was real shaky against San Antonio. Oak, and he was good against Houston. Not going to say great. Not going to say, oh, he was good. Mixed bag. Um, does he have that mental makeup to have five for 20 shooting nights? And still keep putting up shots. You know, that's part of being one of your uh, high usage primary creator. Obviously, the other part is being efficient at it. Um, but like, like, does he have that? I don't know. But I'm curious to see. And, and I'm excited that we are now getting those opportunities with him and with Quickly. Uh, and hopefully when Obi comes back, we will do more with him than park him in the corner and tell him to space the floor. Um, but yeah, like, I, I just... It has to be the right guy. That that's the one thing. And like you know, you mentioned Levine. Like, I I I don't like. I I'm not. I'm not trading 
RJ or Grimes to get Levine. And then I'm also not interested in benching either of them for Zach Levine. So, like, what am I doing with that? You know, he's not at that level to me. Booker would be at that level, but, like, you know, he's not going to have, that's not going to happen for at least, I don't think, until, like, maybe 2024. Yeah, I, I mean, I largely agree with everything you said. So I I don't see any stars. I think that the issue with the Mitchell thing is, like, it's good to pass on it, but it's conditional on what they do after. Um, so I'm cool with passing on it, as long as they don't make some kind of panic trade and trade for a guy like Levine and give up comparable value that they would have given up for Mitchell. If you couple and compound those two things, then it was a terrible idea to pass on Mitchell. Right. If you can bide your time and say, you know, we're going to develop these young guys, we're going to re-sign some of them to, to, to solid contracts, we're going to develop those guys, they're going to play a ton of minutes, get a lot of the experience that I think a guy like Grimes is getting right now, where you see him kind of make some mistakes in the clutch and, and kind of, you know, have some boneheaded things go on and, and be a little, you could see him get a little tight at the end, like, I think that's a growing pain to me. So, like, I'm cool with having that experience right now, and I think you have to let these guys have those experiences if you're not going to move them out. If you're not going to ship them out, they need to have those experiences. Um, so, so I think it depends. I think I was a little surprised that the front office didn't do it. To be honest, like, hearing some of the reporting after, I think they wanted to. And I think if Utah, if Ainge would have came back to them and said, hey, you know, here's the Cleveland offer on the table. Can you just give us a little bit more to beat this? And it's, it's all you. I would have been surprised if they said still like, no, we're not going to do it. We're out. I think they might've done it. Um, so, because I don't see this front office as like being willing to wait like two more years. I don't know about you, but I think two more years is like too much for them and might be too much for Dolan. I, I really don't know. So um, I think it depends yeah, on, you can re- respond to that. Yeah, no, I, I think it just depends on how the current development roster, all that stuff works out. Like, yeah, because I, I I think that they need to make the playoffs play in whatever this year. Like, I'll put it this way. If they finish 43 and 39, they're going to be a play-in team. Uh, if they don't make, at least they, at the minimum, they'd be a play-in team. If they don't make the playoffs out of that, I still think they'd be safe. And I would be fine with that. I don't yeah. think that would be like a disappointing season, especially given the way they're deploying the roster now. Now, if they were still playing Fournier and Rose a bunch of minutes, like, and they went 43 and 39, made the play-in and missed the playoffs... That to me is that I would fire them, but yeah. like the way they're doing it now is is very different to me. So that matters. Um, I think Dolan would be okay with that too. I obviously have no idea, but like I I feel like he just doesn't want to see this team like you know there were stretches early in the season where you're like giving up 145 to OKC, right? You're like, what the fuck is going on? Um, th- those are the things that I think probably piss him off more than anything, where you had these like zero effort defensive performances. Um, and you just get destroyed at home. So I feel like he'd be fine with that. And ultimately, what you're betting on and what the front office would have to weigh is like, do we think that the internal potential for improvement with the guys we have is enough to like to to push our team forward next season without major roster changes? Um, and one reason I just, I really hope this team stays patient. I really do because I'm not a draft guy, but all the draft people love this draft, specifically the wings in this upcoming draft, which is like the one thing that the Knicks very, very much need to address this offseason is wing depth. Um, and like they have two first round picks in this draft, and I know they're not going to be 
high first, but like this draft is loaded and you can get good wings. And, and we've seen the Knicks do this, right? The Knicks have drafted well in the later late first and shit like that. Like they've, they've gotten good value in areas of the draft where you don't always expect that. Like, you know, we're talking about quickly and Grimes. Like those guys were both 25th picks. They're fucking home run picks at the 25. Uh, you're talking about Jericho Sims was the 58th pick. Like he's a legit, like he's a legit, 15-minute-a-night guy rotation player at this point in his second year in the NBA. So they've gotten really good value uh, in areas of the draft, and they've also shown a willingness and ability to move around and accrue future capital while while doing it. So, like, I really hope they are able to get to where they need to to feel comfortable slow-rolling it a little bit because, like you mentioned, like, like, I mean, RJ's 22. We didn't even talk about RJ. RJ's 22. Quickly's twenty three, Grimes is twenty two. Like twenty two, yeah. Yeah, like these guys are still babies, really. Like, are, I mean, they're not super, super young, but they're they're still at the point in their career where, like, you're talking about guys that are four or five years from their prime. So they're still developing. Mitch is still developing. Like that's why he took a leap this year. So you're in a position where like you don't need to rush this. Uh, and like, really, you should. Once you didn't make the Mitchell trade, you almost need to be willing to be patient because it's important to get the right guy. And if the right, like, if Levine is the star that's on the market, like, you have to be willing to walk away from that because that's not really pushing you. That that's not gonna that doesn't unlock some championship upside for you. And like, the entire point ultimately is to be a contender. So. What the Knicks are, need to do is find the is just wait for the right guy to come to come available and not be beholden by like perceived timelines that need to be hit. Right? Like, oh my God, we've been here for three years. We got to trade for a star. They have to be able to resist that temptation. Uh, but you're right. Like, it, it's if you don't trade for Mitchell, that's the main concern. And if you if you go back then and like trade it all for. Trey Younger, like, you know, to pair him with Brunson or like Levine. And it's like, wh- what are you doing with that? Um, that that's yeah, they, that's the concern. They, they, they definitely won't do that. I mean, especially not Trey Young. Trey Young, you know, I agree with your assessment on Trey Young. I think the other issue with him, besides the off the court stuff, is that Trey Young is not just a player, he's also a system. Like, when you get Trey Young, you are committing to a specific style of offense, a specific specific style of defense, too, because he's a complete liability. <laughs> um, so you don't just trade for a guy. You're trading for a system. You're overhauling your system to completely match his, his strengths and his skill sets. Um, don't think he can play with Brunson at all. I think that's a non-option. I think the Levine is a non-option. My, my whole issue is, like, Yes, I agree with you. What you're saying is completely rational. You need to be patient. You need to wait for the right guy, the guy that fits, you know, the pieces that you're building um, that fits on both ends of the court. Totally agree with that. The issue is that these are humans, imperfect humans that we're talking about. We're talking about Dolan, who, you know, who knows what he's thinking from moment to moment. I don't know if he's going to be willing to just say, like, yeah, we'll just keep building it this way. And, you know, maybe in 2025 or 2020 six maybe that's when the right star will come off I, I don't know if he's willing to do that i don't know if if he's willing to wait for some guys that are in the rookie classics here to become you know like sga like really leap into their prime and then grab one of those guys like i have no idea and i think it's a realistic issue that they may get impatient as a result of just like 
you know, are these guys going to get extended? Is, is Leon Rose going to get a new contract? Is Tibbs going to get extended as head coach? If we're a 42 win team this year and a 44 win team next year, like what are you, what's going to happen with these guys at that point? Those are, this is going to be an issue. It's going to be a thing when real decisions need to get made. And I just don't know how they're going to react to it in a vacuum. I totally agree with you. And I think that's the right approach. I don't, I want them to take that approach. Do I think they will? I, I, I really question it. I really question it. The NBA season is heating up and there are still so many things yet to unfold. Can the Knicks get home court advantage? Who knows? Maybe. Well, I'm looking to get in on the action. I bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 of free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same-game parlay, and combine multiple bets like which team will win, total rebounds, and more. The more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. Download the app now, sign up with code TBPN, place a $5 pregame Moneyline bet on any NBA team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Yeah, I'm very apprehensive too. I mean, some of the quickly stuff that was coming out at the start of the year, which, one, I think it was a little bit... I thought the way it was framed was kind of, let's just say, a little bit disingenuous. Um, but obviously, like, look, like I love quickly. He's not. I mean, there's like what three guys in the NBA that are actually untradeable. It's reasonable to like if a team calls you up that you're not going to be like, no, we're not going to talk about Emmanuel quickly. If you do, if you don't do that, you're not doing your job. So I'll never criticize a front office for listening on guys. Like, unless you have Luca or Giannis or, like, you know, that's basically it. Like, I'm listening. I am listening. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how patient it can be. Um, I do think that, you know, they have – I they definitely seem to – like loyalty is something they've talked about a lot, right? Like that that's so that's been part of like the branding of their this this regime's like you know, build of the Knicks, whatever you want to call it. You know, Randall and Brunson and then bringing Rick Brunson on with Tibbs, who is Leon's guy. It's like they it's all like very, very loyalty, blah, 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 blah. Um there's negatives to that, but there are also some positives. And uh I saw you tweeting about Randall. I think it was yesterday, maybe. But like, I, I think this is a very this is a this is a very interesting conversation to me. And I don't know how to feel. I, this is how I feel about it. Um, I think that this is not a uh, this is a very much not a um, analytically oriented argument. But like, I think the Knicks have really good vibes right now. They have good vibes. Uh, they're on the same page. The team looks like they're even like the fact that they had that miserable Dallas game and there really wasn't much like, I don't know. There wasn't any like guys bitching at each other or, you know, cryptic comments in the press or anything like that. Like they stayed together through that. Uh, that, that was a really devastating loss. And like, like they again now seem like they're back on track. They have good vibes, blah, blah. They are playing their young guys and they have good vibes. Randall's playing phenomenal right now uh 
I'm very, very hesitant to change up that chemistry and all that kind of stuff mid-season. Now, is there a price point for Randall where if some team offered, like, you know, whatever it is for him that you should you should risk it? For sure, you should. Like, there are price points for anybody, but um, the odds are I don't think that price point is going to be hit for Julius, and I am okay with them not actively shopping Julius at, the, at this moment in time also. Like, but he's not, I, I'm still open to trading him. And I think they need to be open to trading him. Like, if they're open to trading, you know, quickly or RJ or whatever, they should be open to, to trading Julius too. Like, th- this team is not a contender. You have to still figure out what the optimal ways to open up avenues to hit that level are. And, um, like, for example, we know that unprotected picks are the main currency that front offices look for when getting stars and are trading stars. And if you are in a situation where like, let's say the Suns look, we just play them. They were miserable. Let's say the Suns call you up and are like, fuck, we need to do something to, because otherwise Booker's going to want in a couple of years. They call you up and are like, we'll give you our expiring contracts and three unprotected picks for Julius Randle. Like, I think you have to seriously consider that. Like, I really do. Like, I, I was somebody asked yesterday in our in our Discord what the minimum price offered for Randall would be that you would that you would consider trading him. And I think something like Cam Johnson and multiple for unprotected first, I mean two or three, whatever it is, I think you really need to consider that. I, I don't actually have a strong opinion on whether or not I would take it, but I really think anybody acting like it's a no-brainer one way or the other is is a bit you're doing too much like that it is that that's an offer you would need to consider and like have a serious discussion about as a front office so uh, i and i i so i i thought your tweet was good i, I forgot the specifics of it but you were basically saying like like julius is playing great like but we should still be considering trading him if you get value because like one of the things right was the argument last summer was well they can't trade julius and they got they're going to try to rehab his value okay guess what you rehab his value. He's fucking playing great. He's playing the best ball of his career. You know, he his contract now looks like a steal again. This is fucking phenomenal. The hardest part, as you mentioned, though, is like, now do you want to trade him? Because the hardest part is to trade somebody when their value is actually Absolutely. at its high. And I think, yeah. like, like it's funny. Like, I, I fucking hate Danny Ainge. But, like, Danny Ainge, that's what he did. He had the balls to be like, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, we're not going anywhere with these two guys because of reasons out of my control, really. They're at their peak value. It's just, I'll let's just pull the trigger. Let's just do it. Um, will the Knicks be? Would would they be able to do that with Julius? I don't know. I, I don't think they would actually. To be honest, I don't but, think so. No, yeah. I don't think so. I'm so glad you brought this this topic. It's like the most interesting dynamic of the team to me right now, and I think it's like the place where most fans are split. Um, and I'm really glad you brought the Danny Ainge point because I think I'm more like a Danny Ainge than I am about like this front office, right? Like, so. I totally agree. I think this is where I came at out. Julius was playing really poorly last year, had terrible value. Like to trade him, you probably would have to attach assets to get off of him. Yeah, that they was the reporting over the summer. Like that, that was the reporting over yeah. the summer. Yeah. And they wouldn't do that. And I think that's totally fair. We're not gonna trade this guy at his rock bottom value. Like that doesn't make sense to me. I wouldn't do it as well. But when would you trade him? If you wouldn't trade him when his value is at his highest and you could command, let's say two or three unprotected. I would, I would think like two unprotected, maybe a swap and a guy like Cam Johnson, like 
this is where you and I disagree. That's a no-brainer to me. I'm doing that deal. Like, I'm not gonna pace around the office and talk to guys for a while. Like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not asking for for input from eight different guys. Like, if I'm Rose, I'm like done. I'll I'll tell him about it later. Like, that is. You're not. You're not gonna ask Wes what he thinks. I'm not asking Wes what he thinks. <laughs> I'm not. No, no. We're, we're we're doing that deal. I'm pulling the trigger because, to me, it's like my goal is to build a championship contender. That's my goal, and. They've come up with a plan to do that. Their plan is to acquire two stars, <clears throat> two star players, and to build around them with excellent role players. That, that's a sound plan. I agree with it. The way to do that is to acquire the most valuable assets you can, you can accumulate so that you have enough of an inventory to trade for those two star players. Now, if I have a guy like Julius Randle, is he more valued to me in, you know, as a player himself, as a player asset, or as two unprotected first round picks, a young uh, ascending really good player and maybe a pick swap or as Julius Randle, like it's very clear where the value is. It's very clear what an off a front office that's looking to deal stars like Utah would want. They want unprotected picks. They don't even care about these protected picks that, that we tried. Those are like throw-ins, you know Um, the unprotected picks are the currency right now. And if you can get those for a guy that you had just last year, was a guy who you would have had to attach assets to move on. Like I got to take that deal because I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know if this Randall is sustainable. I've been racking my brain, diving into the data to try to figure it out. Like, can this Rand- can Randall play this way, you know, for the next two or three years? I'm not sure about it. And I don't want to take the chance to find out because if his value goes down again, and you try to trade him, you might get back one pick for him. Um, so I really need to capitalize on his value. I think what the argument that you made about vibes, honestly, is the strongest argument against it because I think it's a really, a genuinely good argument because um, these guys are humans, right? Like w- these guys are in the locker room. They're having a good time. They're playing well. They feel like they're on the, the up and up. They feel like they can compete. They feel like they're going to go to the playoffs. And then you completely just upend everything and move the best player on the team who it seems like, you know, regardless of what we think from the outside, everybody loves Randall in the locker room, you know, and, guys. And to, and to his credit, like his attitude has been way better this year. Way he's, better. He's shown like genuine leadership qualities. Um, it, all his post-game quotes this year, like la- I killed him last year because anytime they would ask him about his struggles, he would turn it into like this, team-wide thing he'd be like oh yeah we gotta be better we gotta and i was like fuck you like what do you mean we gotta be better you gotta be better um but like he's he's owned it this year and he's actually like he got that ejection against sacramento and that was a total meltdown for him and it could have cost us that game his comments after he just owned it he said like he what that was not like he he owned that entirely he took the bullets that brunson should have been taking after the chicago game and he was like it's on me i gotta get the rebound and i was like in my head i'm like the fuck are you talking about um and and he 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 he's just like he said something yet like about mitch he he's talking he he's he went out of his way yesterday in the post game um multiple times to not and i look i think brunson is he is the, in my opinion he's the best player on the team and i do think he's obviously he's he's the best guard we have whatever you want to call it but like he went out of his way and i'm sure he doesn't think this but he went out of his way to equivocate quickly with Brunson. Um, which like does he actually think quickly is as good as Brunson? No, almost definitely not. But like it's it's a it's a positive spin for me for him as a leader to do that. And it shows an appreciation for a young guy who like 
when we were shorthanded, the guy played 51 fucking minutes against Dallas. He's the only guy that showed up in that San Antonio game to play defense. Uh, like he, he busted his ass for those three games with Brunson out. And like, it's, it's a nice token of appreciation uh, unless you're Tibbs, apparently, uh, for <laughs> for for Randall, the the team leader, to to do that. Uh, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, I, that was helpful context because I I agree with all of that, and I just think I think I mean honestly, we made a lot of people made fun of some of the stuff with Randall with the, like the meditation beforehand and all that stuff, but whatever. Works. I think he's doing it, and I think yeah. it's working. You know, yeah. I think he I think it's actually working. It's helping his psyche, whether it's you know placebo effect or not like you know it's working for him so i don't care i i i really appreciate how randall's been this year as a leader and his play obviously has been excellent he's a borderline all-star potentially could make it i need to look back and and really evaluate like who are the guys getting in ahead of him but he's close no matter what um but my whole point with randall is just that you have to be able to move him you have to be able to just like take the emotion out of it if you get a deal like that not for anything i'm not saying just get rid of randall get him off the team I'm saying if you get a deal like that, we're talking two unprotected, a swap, and a guy like Cam Johnson, you you got to be able to do that. I, I, I don't care. Then at that point, the vibes don't matter to me because the longer term, the longer term success of the team is on the line. And you're really put, leaving a lot of value on the table if you don't take a deal like that. And that's too kind of myopic, in my opinion. Like I'm a very future oriented guy. And, and, and that's just like my standpoint on it. So that's my point with Randall. Not that we just need to get rid of him. But that if you get a real great deal like that, I would do it in the middle of the season. I, I would just like take that hit um, in terms of the whether it's team camaraderie or the performance of the team this year. You know, I, I would accept that for the long term value that you'd be building. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wall and drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wall and wherever you get your podcasts.